the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Get Etho. The following program is sponsored True Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. When you subtract the God who resides above the sun from life under the sun, what does a man profit for all his toil? Nothing. It's vanity. It's fleeting. It's futile. Unsatisfactory. Solomon lived without God for a time, and he's here to tell us that life without God is not life at all. Imagine your ideal day. Maybe it's on vacation to an exotic destination or a day at the stadium watching your favorite team win the big game. But then what? When the thrill fades, what's left to live for? That's our subject today on Know the Truth. Philip DeCourcy is opening to the book of Ecclesiastes to share the secret to true satisfaction and significance. Like Solomon, we have more, do more, make more, and spend more, but still many suffer from disillusionment and even depression. Philip offers the biblical solution. Christmas morning. It always begins in great expectation. The kids are waiting for the green light to come running into the living room like a stampeding herd of stallions. As soon as they arrive, paper begins to fly. All those neatly and beautifully wrapped presents are torn apart by ravenous wild beasts. Then after 20 minutes or so of nonstop action, There is a calm after the storm. And then there are heads peering out over the mountains of paper that are littering the living room. Then there is a definite and distinct look in the face of someone. They're not going to say it, but their face shows it. Is that all there is? Somebody tell me there's something more. And excitement gives way to emptiness. Hope gives way to despair. That is not an uncommon experience during the other 364 days of the year, is it? Some of you have experienced that, haven't you? When excitement has given way to emptiness, when hope has given way to despair, when what you're looking for cannot be found, many of us peel back our lives day by day and we're left wondering, Is that all there is? Life seems to promise us so much, but it delivers so little. Listen to the words of Paul Powell. Does he not describe our generation as he writes in his book on the Psalms, The Faith That Sings? By and large, we know how to make a good living, but we don't know how to make a good life. We have learned to save time, but we don't know what to do with the time we save. We have gained more knowledge than any other generation, but in our eagerness to learn, we have missed the truth itself. 
We have everything to live with and nothing to live for. We have more and more, but we enjoy it less and less. And that raw reality drives us to the book of Ecclesiastes. Because of all the books in the Bible, this one addresses the issue of life like no other book does. In this book, Solomon will warn us not to put all our eggs in the basket of this world. We're not to live for those things that are prized in life under the sun. Solomon will talk about fame and fortune and education and pleasure and how in the end all of those things will prove to be vanity, empty, weightless. And that's because this world is not enough for those whose heart aches for the eternal. See, the Bible wants us to know we were made in the image of the eternal God. We were made in the image of one who at his essence is a spiritual being. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 tells us that God has put eternity in our hearts. That's why this world is not enough. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes wants to teach us. That those who have been made by God for his pleasure will not find satisfaction apart from God and his pleasure. That's the conclusion of the matter. We'll read this verse many, many times in our study on the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. We were made by God, for God. And life under the sun must be linked to life above the sun. Now, before we get back into verses 1 to 3, I thought about sharing with you some travel tips. Some travel tips. Number one, it is a difficult book. It's not easily read. It's not quickly understood. But that shouldn't surprise us because it's written by a man who was one of the greatest minds of his day. In fact, we read in 1 Kings 4 verse 34 that all the men of all the nations and all the kings of all the earth came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Solomon will take us into certain depths in terms of our thinking and our comprehension. This is a profound book. And so you and I need to bear that in mind. It it is a difficult book, not easily read, not quickly understood, But while it's a difficult book, secondly, it is a divine book. It is inspired by God. I believe that. The book of Ecclesiastes has been called the black sheep of the Old Testament. Some people have questioned its fitness for the canon of Scripture. Does it belong with the other books of the Bible? It tends to be pessimistic. But I believe it is Scripture that is inspired by God. Go to chapter 12 and verse 10 and you'll read these words. The preacher... That's the man who introduces himself in chapter 1 and verse 1, which we believe to be Solomon. The preacher, the Koheleth, the teacher of those who assemble, sought to find acceptable slash delightful words. That's interesting. Although we peg this book as pessimistic, the writer tells us his intent is to be uplifting. He wants to find acceptable, delightful words. Look at verse 11. The words of the wise are like goads. And the words of the scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. Who's the one shepherd? The implication seems to be God. Solomon here seems to be claiming that he's writing under the inspiration of God. He's, he's writing, as Peter will tell us, 
as he's moved by the Holy Spirit. So while it is a difficult book, it is inspired material, and we need to give it the due reverence that, that it deserves. Now, here's a third travel tip. Read the book in its entirety and keep reading the book in its entirety. We're going to go verse by verse, precept upon precept, line upon line. But the best thing you can be doing during the week is to keep reading the book as a whole. That's important because you need to avoid coming to preliminary conclusions. As we said, this is a deep book. And at times it's a dark book, but it's a divine book. And you and I will get the most profit from it if we read it in its entirety and hold uh, our conclusions till the conclusion. Solomon explains the whole purpose of the book. He, he feeds us salt so we might thirst for God. And by the time he closed this book, the whole purpose is this. You need to invite the God above the sun, the life under the sun. It's lights out without the light of heaven. Fear God, keep his commandments. And so keep the end in view. Solomon is taking us to a definitive, defined conclusion. And at times he'll, we'll get lost in the book. But hold on there. Don't be a petulant child. You know when you take your kids out for, for a drive or you're the first day of vacation, you pile them all into the back of the car. You're not at the end of your driveway when somebody perks up from the back. Daddy, are we there yet? No, that's our house, not the hotel. We haven't even got out the street. And we tend to be impatient passengers. And I would encourage you to just hang in because Solomon's going somewhere and he's going to say something. Give him time. It'll all come together. There are some tricky verses. There are some passages that will leave us scratching our head. He'll address thorny issues and tricky questions. And we need to give him time to unfold what he's setting out to do. And to help us to that end, here's the fourth travel tip. Mind the key words and the key phrases. I'll give you a number of them. The word God is found 40 times in the book. Vanity, 34. Under the sun, 29. Good, 52. Joy, 17. Now that's interesting because again, we peg this book as, as written by someone who's rather down in the mouth, someone that's doer and depressed. Someone that speaks about the bleakness and the blackness of life. That's true. Solomon will talk about life under the sun. And he will talk about how it is vain and fleeting and empty and insubstantial. Those are important words. Life under the sun is vain. But it's interesting, the most used word is the word God. It's used 40 times in this book. And the most used word is good. See, he was, he, he's writing with delightful words. In the end, he'll bring it all together and leave us with some good news. That the God above the sun wants to bring his goodness and joy to those who are living under the sun. Although if they ignore him, if they rebel against him, if they live faithless, unbelieving lives under the sun, their experience will be vanity. Those who live with God under the sun, joy and goodness. See, the key words are the keys to understanding the book, which brings us to the fifth travel tip, which we've already stated. Begin with the conclusion. Start at the end. The end of the matter is what? Fear God. Now, that's where Solomon's going to take us. That's his message. That's his intent. 
And we've got to keep that in mind when he takes us along certain philosophical paths of thought. So, five travel tips. It's a difficult book, but it is an inspired book. Read the book in its entirety. Avoid making preliminary conclusions. Mind the key phrases and dominant words and begin with the conclusion. Well, now let's go back to chapter 1 and verses 1 to 3. We've looked at these verses under three headings. The preacher, verse 1. His text, verse 2. His sermon, verse 3. Solomon's the preacher. And his text is that life apart from God is a passing, fleeting thing. Something that in the end will be insubstantial apart from the weightiness of God's purpose and person. But now he begins his sermon in verse 3. And the sermon is really a question which will lead him to many more thoughts to follow. The sermon begins with a rhetorical question. Is there a purpose and a profit to all that we do? He sets up his, his argument with a rhetorical question that begs a negative answer. Solomon sets before us the $64,000 question. What is the point to life and what profit do we take from life? He announces that in verse 3. What profit is a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? He'll pick that theme up throughout this book. Another example will be chapter 3, verse 9. What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? Solomon is introducing his sermon. He's introducing the book of Ecclesiastes. And throughout this book, he will set out to answer that question. Look at verse 13. In fact, back up into verse 12. I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of man by which they may be exercised. I think we all want to know, does this life count? And are we living for those things that count in this life? That's something that occupies us, doesn't it? And so Solomon begins to address that, and he hooks our attention with a rhetorical question. What is the profit that a man takes from all his labor under the sun? Now, there are three things here in verse 3 that's worth pondering. I want you to see the person he has in mind. I want you to see the perspective and the profit he has in mind. Let's just look at the person he has in mind. Solomon brings us to consider the man who's laboring, the man who's, who's uh, going about his business in the workaday world. The picture that Solomon has before us is what you're going to do first thing tomorrow. If you're a student, you're going onto the campus of your university. If you're a housewife, you're going to get about the chores of the home. If you're a businessman, you'll be in your office. If you're a machinist, you'll be at your lathe. If you're a sports coach, you'll be on the playing field. Where will Monday morning find you? And what will you be doing? That's the picture. It's the picture of a um, laboring man. In fact, this word is found 35 times in the book, and it just places you where you work and where you walk. It denotes physical labor, except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. 
Psalm 127, verse 1, that's our word. But interestingly, it's used to speak of, of anguish, of pain, emotional pain, psychological anguish. Psalm 25, verse 18, translates it that way. And I think if you merge those, I, I think Solomon includes the idea here of drudgery as you go about your daily business. Not only do you labor physically, but you're troubled in mind and heart. What's the purpose to this? Where, where's this all going? What does this all add up to? This verse speaks of human endeavor tinged with struggle and pain. The man who goes about all his labors, he may be in a suit or he may be in overalls, but that's the person he has in mind. And that person wants to know that there's a value to what they're doing and there's a purpose to their existence. You not only see the person in his mind, but the perspective he has in view. What profit has a man from all his labor? He's looking at this man, and, and what this man does raises a question. Is there any profit to it? Any purpose to it? Will it mean anything when the beans are counted? And he's going to limit his investigation to a certain perspective, to the toil that this man does under the sun. His investigation is limited to the world we can observe, to activity under the sun or even under heaven, which is another phrase. Under the sun is used 29 times in the book. Under heaven, three times. The first mention will be verse 13. And I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. The posture and the perspective that Solomon adopts is the posture of the secular man who lives life horizontally. Solomon begins his investigation from a kind of humanistic, hopeless look at life. It's a view of life without windows. The divine will not be mentioned. The transcendent will not be talked about. Fundamentally, this is a look at life devoid of God. We're going to pull the blinds on the eternal. We're going to look at this man laboring under the sun in a world without windows. Basically, Solomon, for the sake of argument, is ruling out the higher things. And he wants to get across how futile life is when it's lived in a world without windows. When one does not relate what one does on earth to that which is being done in heaven, which is the perspective we ought to have. Jesus taught us, didn't he, in the Lord's Prayer, to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is done in heaven. But we set our own agenda. We go our own way. We live in a world without windows. We toil. And the question is, what do we reap for all our toil? Without God's blessing, without God's strength. And the argument is not much. That you see the person and you see the perspective. Let me just pause here for a moment and actually engage the author himself as an example of what we're talking about. Remember what we said. Solomon is qualified to write this book. He can address the issues of life. He, he has lived a full life, but he has found it to be empty. Because there came a time in his life where Solomon lived in a world without windows, where Solomon discontinued his relationship with God through disobedience. And the fallout he writes about here in this autobiography. And the whole intent is to say that nothing is added to life when God is subtracted from life. When you subtract the God who resides above the sun from life under the sun, what does a man profit for all his toil? Nothing. 
It's vanity. It's fleeting. It's futile. It's meaningless, useless, weightless, unsatisfactory. Solomon lived without God for a time, and he's here to tell us that life without God is not life at all. Remember the conclusion of the matter, fear God and keep his commandments. But there was a time in Solomon's life where he stopped keeping God's commandments, and that wasn't a very happy time in his life. And he speaks of the unhappiness of that time in this book. Let's just look for a moment at the rise and demise of Solomon. His story is a story of epic proportions. He was blessed by being raised at the side of a godly father. David was his father, a man after God's own heart. And if you go back to 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 3, which I encourage you to do, we read that Solomon loved the Lord and walked in the statutes of his father David. We also read that Early on in his reign, God appears to him at a place called Gibeon and basically hands Solomon a blank check and says, Solomon, ask anything of me. Solomon thinks and says, Lord, I tell you what I need. I tell you what I want. I'm inadequate. I need wisdom. I need discernment to lead your people. And you read about that in 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 9. Therefore give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? And Solomon asked God for wisdom. And God promises to give him wisdom. And God is chuffed at the thought that Solomon didn't write on that check something selfish, something that was self-centered. He was thinking about God's glory and God's people. And God says in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 10, following that the speech pleased the Lord. And God says basically to Solomon, I'm going to give you what you asked, and I'm going to give you what you didn't ask. You didn't ask for riches. You didn't ask for honor. You didn't ask for power, prestige. But I'm going to give you all those things. And God gives Solomon that in abundance. He was a wise king. He began by following the Lord with a whole heart. He loved the Lord. But then he began to love the things of this world. What does the New Testament tell us? that we cannot love the world and love our Father at the same time. Solomon would find out, as he will tell us in the book of Ecclesiastes, there is no happiness outside of God. To turn your back on God is to face a future without a future because there is no life apart from the author of life. There is no future in your future if God remains only part of your past. You're listening to Philip DeCourcy and a message that warns us of the road to nowhere. This is Know the Truth, and it's our goal to bring you bold and convicting messages that help you discover God's best for you. If you've missed any of the previous messages in our current series, access the sermon archives at ktt.org or order messages on CD when you call 888-644-8811. We hope you're growing deeper in your faith through messages like today's, studies that aim to align your heart with God's. But please keep in mind that Know the Truth is completely listener-supported, so we rely on your generosity to keep these daily broadcasts coming to you and your community. And when your gift is $25 or more this month, Philip wants to express his gratitude by sending you his newest book titled, Help, I'm Anxious. He outlines how to combat anxiety with the truth of God's Word. There's only a few more days to request this compact but power-packed resource, so don't delay. 
Take steps to be set free from stress and worry when you request Help, I'm Anxious for a gift of $25 or more. Call us at 888-644-8811 or donate online at ktt.org. If you prefer to send a check, write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. Now, if you can't give today, you can still help this ministry by letting us know when and where you listen or visit our website and share your personal testimony. We love hearing from our listeners and learning how to serve you better. And if you're new to Know the Truth, request Philip's message titled Handling the Pressure. You can request it online or call us at 888-644-8811. It's been great to have you with us today. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, inviting you to join us tomorrow for more wisdom from Ecclesiastes. That's coming up Wednesday, right here on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. MyPillow.com is now a world record holder, and they would like to celebrate with you. Now, when you use promo code WAVA, you're going to receive a MyPillow at a price too low to mention on radio. However, it is for a limited time, while supplies last, and all sales are final. MyPillow still offers a 10-year warranty and is guaranteed not to go flat, made in the USA, washable and dryable. And now if you click on the world record special at MyPillow.com, you'll receive a medium-fill pillow in a blue carrying case at an incredible price. Go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-517-3636. Use promo code WAVA. Click on the world record special to take advantage of this offer. When you go to MyPillow.com, take a moment to watch the highlight video from the world record record event and read Mike's amazing testimony. Call 800-517-3636. That's 800-517-3636 or go to MyPillow.com. Use the promo code WAVA and click on World Record Special. Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.